Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com. Hope everybody had a great weekend. It is a Monday edition of the show, and we are starting the week swinging. It, this is an action-packed show from beginning to end. A whole lot to get into, including Devin White speaking for the first time publicly since he requested a trade in the offseason. We got some news about the quarterbacks as well. And Scott Reynolds is back from Canton, going to recap a little bit of the Hall of Fame induction weekend for Rondé Barber. So a lot to get into on today's show. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me, as I just mentioned, back from Canton, Ohio, the face that runs the place at PeterReport.com, SR Scott Reynolds. And Scott, we have some news about the quarterback position, do we not? Yes, we sure do. And uh, J.C. Allen from Pewter Reports uh, was the first to break the news yeah. that Baker Mayfield is going to be getting the start versus the Pittsburgh Steelers this Friday night. That's right, folks. We've got football this Friday night in Tampa. Bucks versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, 7 o'clock on WFLA News Channel, the official channel of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a partner of Pewter Reports. And Baker Mayfield will get the start there. Kyle Trask will get the start the next week. And you'll be there live for that up there in uh, in New Jersey as the yeah. Bucks will play the New York Jets, 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 Jets. And uh, so who will start the third preseason game? Well, they're going to wait and see who performs better in these two preseason games, including the joint practices with the Jets. And that'll kind of be the determining factor between who gets the start in preseason game number three, which is at home concluding the preseason at Raymond James Stadium against the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, shout out to J.C. Allen again for breaking this news. And it seems like the right move. I think that's kind of what a lot of us would have um, hypothesized as well. That's not me taking anything away from what J.C. is reporting. But it, yeah. it seems that's how it should go. You know, how can you yeah. really determine a winner of this quarterback competition if only one guy gets to start both games? That doesn't right. make much sense. So. Yeah, I think it's the right way to go about it. Why Baker in game one instead of Kyle Trask in game one? I guess we can kind of debate that until the cows come home. There's probably not a rhyme or reason because of it, but at least we have a direction for what is going on. And yeah. I think the biggest real question mark just in terms of this quarterback battle specifically is with the turnovers, we all know what the case is now. Baker, seven interceptions multiple multiple occasions where there's yeah. been interceptions Kyle Trask taking care of the ball way way better he had his second today but it really it wasn't even his fault it was right just a, a crazy play where Cole Keefe tried to dive make a catch the ball kind of popped up and Kedrick Whitehead the undrafted free agent out of Delaware made a uh, fantastic catch so not really going to knock Kyle Trask for that but really what it comes down to with these turnovers for Baker Mayfield specifically as you see him doing calisthenics with uh, Vita Bea. How much are, of these interceptions are, well, it's practice. I'm seeing what I can get away with. I'm in the lab doing different yeah. stuff, working on different experiments. And how much of it is actually poor decisions, bad throws, and just not good football? Because yeah. I don't I don't even really know at, at, at this point. I, I don't think some of the interceptions Baker have, has had have been – egregious terrible interceptions they just obviously aren't going his way so that's why this preseason games this game and all the games coming up will really be most telling for this competition yeah exactly and and it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see really you know how baker fares uh, he has a little bit of an advantage maybe in the fact that he's used to going up against the pittsburgh steelers in the yeah. NFC North division or AFC North division with, with his days with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, 
And uh, we'll see. It's it's going to be fun. You know, Baker Mayfield entered training camp as the starter, so it true. You know, it, it's not like he's lost the job. We've, we we said last week Trask has the lead, and, and he's got the lead in terms of of not turning the ball over more. But to be fair, Baker Mayfield has made more big plays in the passing game. And so it, this is a very close competition. The back and forth every day is fun to watch. These guys are pushing each other. And and uh, I, I think that that Dave Canales and Todd Bowles have done the right thing in saying this is a legit quarterback competition. And to his credit, Kyle Trask has made it a legit quarterback yes. competition by protecting the football and by also making some plays. It's not like like he's being so cautious and, and careful. He's not a check down, Charlie. Exactly. Well said. Yeah, he's not checking the ball down. He's threaded the needle a couple of times that that indoor practice uh, game or yeah. practice where he threaded the needle between two defenders and hit Kate Otten in stride. That was a hell of a play. And he's, he's done that. If, if there's one knock on, on Trask's game, it's the long ball. Yes. He keeps overshooting his receivers and he even overshot Devin Tompkins today. And that's hard to do. Very difficult to do because all Devin Tompkins is like a Venus flytrap. If the football yeah. is around him, wham, he's coming down with it. We'll talk about Devin Tompkins a little bit more. And I, yeah. I do think for Kyle Trask, he's found that sweet spot, as we were just talking about, that he's not just dinking and dunking. Yeah. That little 15 to 20-yard pass and, and routes run by the receivers, right. that's been Kyle Trask's sweet spot. He's connected yeah. with Chris Godwin in those areas, Rakeem Jarrett as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that is good enough to, if he does win the starting job, the Bucks can live with that type of, those type of throws, right. that type of offense, that type of movement with the football and get away with still being a somewhat successful team. I'm not going to say Super, yeah. Bowl, Super Bowl contender, right. but can at least you know contend for the, the overall division. Yeah. But those deep balls, it's becoming more and more of a concern for me yeah. personally because I noticed it last week. It kind of reared its ugly head a lot on Saturday because right. that Saturday practice, it wasn't just like Kyle Trask was missing the deep mm -hmm. ball. It was like 10 yards over the receivers' heads. And maybe I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it it wasn't like Baker had a couple of missed throws. Yeah. And it went off the fingertips of the receivers because right. they were outstretched. He's getting it close. Play. He's getting it close. Yeah. Kyle Trask and his deep ball throws are not even really remotely close. And even today it didn't it didn't get that much better. John yeah. Wolford is the best deep ball thrower on the Buccaneers <laughs> right now, mainly yeah. because he's just putting it in the area. Yeah. And the Bucs receivers are coming down with it. Yeah, he's also the third string quarterback. He's got nothing to lose, right? So he yeah, just he's chucking true. it up. And but at the to his to his credit, he's he's on target with those passes. Um, I, I think with with Trask and uh you know his his approach, it, you know, he's he's following the instructions, right? It's like uh when I I remember uh one one particular thing, I think it was back in sixth grade, and we had a substitute teacher in a class, and he handed out this test, and he said, "All right, read the instructions, and then you know take the test and turn it in," and and so the instructions was like a paragraph long, and it said, "This is a test, you know, just to see how much you've learned and how much you've covered," and it had like three or four sentences. The last sentence was was uh, simply sign your name at the top and turn the test in without answering questions. Right. Mm -hmm. And nobody did that. Everyone's like, you know, they yeah. skip reading that and they're like, oh, this is easy. Two plus two is four. You know, what comes after ABC? D, right? You're like, wow, this is the easiest test in the world. But we all failed it because we didn't read the instructions, which was write your name in and turn the test in. Right. And like, that was it. And it was like, it was a, it was like an eye opening thing, right? To like actually follow instructions. What, what were the instructions for? The quarterbacks per Dave Canales. Number one, don't turn the ball over. Number two, take what the defense gives you, right? Move the chains, stay ahead of the sticks. Don't take the losses. Don't, don't wait on a play for it. You know, uh, you know, don't wait for something to develop when you have something easy right in front of you. And I think to Kyle Trask's credit, he's he's read the instructions, he's not turning the ball over, and He's simply putting the, the hands uh, and putting the ball in the hands of the playmakers, letting them pick up the yards. If it's first down and you get four yards on a, a little, you know, a quick slant or maybe a dump off to the tight end, th then it's second and six, and it's not yeah. second and ten. So um, he's he's doing what's been asked of him to do, 
And again, I think that because of that, he's made this a legit two-person race for the quarterback spot. The two big things that Kyle Trask has learned, at least under Dave Canales, or he he at least has been implementing it, is one, live to fight another day, as yeah. he said, like complete those short passes. Yep. And two, he knows how to survive in advance because yeah. that's why you see him committing to running fast enough and, and, yeah. and quickly enough. But you know what? It's getting the first down for the Buccaneers, and right. it, it's extending those drives. So he's really surviving and advancing. And the third thing I would say that Kyle Trask is is really doing and, and learning about himself is he is using all of his height to his advantage. Yes. He is seeing the plays, and he is making – very fast decisions because yeah. of this. And I asked Kyle Trask after practice today, because we, we had a media session with him. Yeah. And I asked him, like, what is he doing well? What What is he best at? And he really said that it was all of the things that he had been working on since May, June, and July to get, right. to get to this point. All the things that he was working on, not only is he succeeding, but he's surprised at how well he is doing everything. And one of the things that he really talked about in previous interviews and prosecutions press conferences about what he wanted to get better at is just using his frame and his size to his yeah. advantage. He used to say he was a little too squatty. Like right. if he's six, four play like a six, four quarterback right. that commands the offense. Usually it's low man wins in football. Right. And that's very, very true, but not at the, the quarterback, <laughs> not at the quarterback position. You want to be yeah. tall, tall guy wins in that situation. And that's something that we've kind of seen with Baker. We know he can't do anything about his height. Yeah. But there have been situations, and Scott, we talked about it today, where Baker holds on to the football a little right. bit too much. Now, is it because of his height? That's definitely in play. But yeah. even if it's not because of that, and if Baker's holding on to that football, that pocket is going to collapse, and right. Baker's not going to be able to escape. He's not going to be able to get a, a good pass off, because as right. we've seen, multiple, multiple footballs have been tipped when Baker Mayfield is throwing, and that yeah. hasn't been the case with Kyle Trask because of his height and playing at the level that he wants to be playing at. I think you're exactly right. And when you look at, at Trask, um, he's able to see, and with his height, I mean, let's just go across the offensive line. Six foot five, Tristan Wirfs at left tackle. Six foot six, Matt Filer. Uh, if Ryan Jensen's in there, six foot five, Ryan Jensen. If not, six foot four, Robert Hainsey. Uh, you know, gone is sh six foot one Shaq Mason. Now yeah. you've got six foot five Cody Malk and six foot five Luke Gedeke. So we have seen Baker sometimes when 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 there's been pressure from the outside, whether it's with the twos or even with its you know the starters. And we we saw Yaya Diaby you know give Luke Gedeke a couple of days ago uh, a run for his money and push yeah. the pocket in there. When Baker's not able to to get outside the pocket and really see downfield, he does hold on to the ball too long. And you kind of mm -hmm. count, you know, the, the snap count in your head, the 1-1,000, 2-1,000, 1000 He still has the ball, and he's he's kind of looking down the field, trying to find a little bit of a crease where he can see. And I think it's a little problematic, and I would not be yeah. surprised if we see Baker Mayfield end up getting sacked more than Kyle Trask unless he can get outside the pocket with that mobility. And – and frankly, that's kind of where he is dangerous is when he's outside making plays, uh, you know, extending the play and and finding somebody down the field or dump off in front of him. And and it, it's it's going to be interesting uh, to see not just how many touchdowns one of these guys throws more than the other or interceptions, but also the sacks. Right. Because sacks yeah. can be drive killers. It puts you if it's on first and second down, it puts you behind the sticks, right behind schedule. If it's on third down, you're punting. So that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. And, and that is a big difference. I think I think Trask is is six four and a half, six five. Baker is they have him six one. Okay. Trask is at least four inches taller than him. And it and it is making a difference, as you say, Matt, with with the offensive line, especially in the pocket. I have a feeling that on the first preseason game on Friday, we're going to see a little bit more of play action rollouts yes. specifically called for Baker Mayfield just to get him out of the pocket away yeah. from that height and everything. You see a little bit more with Baker Mayfield than we might see with Kyle Trask. And to I that, think so. I think we might see Trask. If he's rolling out and everything, that's going to be by his choice, by that's his right. own accord. And that's how he's going to extend plays, which is a little bit of a part of this offense. Yeah. Dave Canales has spoken about that, that sometimes if the initial play isn't done, if you're not getting rid of it, 
he likes when the quarterback kind of extends the plays and has those, yeah. those combat balls. It's something that uh, Brad Isaac had talked about when he was on the people mm-hmm. podcast. So yep. just something to keep an eye on for Friday. It, it is. And uh, you know, we, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that uh, the pewter report uh, is, is, you know, the, the official energy drink of pewter report is Celsius. If you're not drinking a Celsius folks, what are you doing? Absolute favorite flavors, the Oasis Vibe Celsius had one in Canton, Ohio. And guess what, Matt? I used the store locator on Celsius.com to find go. out where the nearest place I could grab Celsius was. And my wife, Ashley, and I, we both grabbed some Celsius and were energized all weekend long in Canton, Ohio. More on that in a couple minutes during roll call. That's right, folks. It's Monday at 420. In about three minutes, we're going to be doing roll call. And I'm going to talk about my trip to Canton for the Rondé Barber Hall of Fame induction. Matt's going to put up your locations, but let's finish the Celsius plug first. It's not just Oasis Vibe. That's not the newest flavor anymore. Now they've got the Cosmic Vibe. That's right, Cosmic Vibe. If you like Fruit Punch, you're going to love the Cosmic Vibe. It's got plenty of flavor there. I don't know how the the scientists at Celsius do it. The sparkling lemon lime tastes like they squeeze some lemon limes and put them in a can. Same with orange, my absolute favorite flavor. There are so many flavors to choose from. And folks, if you don't know which flavor to, to grab, uh, go to Celsius.com. Click on that store lo- locator I talked about. You'll see you'll see convenience stores. You'll see health and fitness stores. You'll see grocery stores. And what's the other place you can find Celsius? You will at? see some bodegas. Bodegas. That's right. Then once you find the flavors that you like, go to Amazon or Instacart. And when you're on Amazon, order them in bulk. You can... Have them ship right to your door with the subscribe and save option. It's the best way to save money and have Celsius shipped right to you. Folks, there's no sugar crash after you drink a Celsius. Why? Because there's no sugar in it. It's all the essential energy that you need to power your workout in the afternoons, to get you up in the morning, or if you have a late day at, at, at the office, have a Celsius, get that energy to pick you up. And uh, and we always love to hear from our pewter people which flavor Celsius are you drinking? So do us a favor. On Twitter, tomorrow morning, if you're having a Celsius or at work, take a picture of the can, tag at uh, Celsius official, and uh, and let us know which flavor of Celsius you're drinking. Matt, it's about that time. That's right. We love Mondays, Matt, for one reason and one reason only. Because it's roll call. That's right. Where are you at, Peter People? At 420, which it'll be in just a moment. At 420, every Monday, we love doing this with the Peter people. We love interacting with our fans as much as possible. And one of the ways we do that is on these Mondays during roll call at 420. Um, we're going to talk about the Buccaneers in one way or another. This one is going to be Scott Reynolds' trip to Canton to be there for the enshrinement and induction of Rondé Barber into the Hall of Fame. And in the meantime, while Scott is talking about that, which I'm very excited to hear these stories, uh, please let us know where you are watching from, and we will put it up on the screen, like with Charles right here. And uh, yeah, well, we'll let you guys start writing down where you're coming from. And we'll put it on the screen. So, Scott, tell us all about this weekend in Canton, Ohio. It was great to see Rondé Barber get his moment. Uh, it's been a long time coming. He has had to fight size. He has had to fight the fact that he is a five foot ten. Um, non-shutdown corner. Uh, I think that's maybe fair to say, although he's not a system corner either. He's just a damn good corner. Can we just say that? He's just a damn good football player. He played outside. He played inside. Usually when you think of of the term nickel corner, and, and he re- really kind of redefined that position because of what he could do in the slot, whether it was interceptions, 47 in his career, or or blitzing and getting sacks, 25 in his career. He was an outside cornerback on first and second downs. And then on third downs or obvious passing downs, he would go inside. And I think that's really what made him special. And it was an absolute honor to be invited. I was one of the very few media members to uh, to be able to, to go to Canton and support of Rondé. And 
had a great time at his after party. I've known Rondé for all 16 years of his career as the third round draft pick back in 1997. And it was just, it was an amazing event. What made it special was not just the fact that obviously the Hall of Famers there, and then you see Tony Dungy, uh, legendary Hall of Fame head coach, Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp, John Lynch, but the fact that there were so many other Buccaneer players that came to support Rondé, everybody from Donald Penn, who didn't play on that Super Bowl team, right? Guys like Barrett Rude that weren't a part of that Super Bowl team. Kevin Carter, right? Those are some of the players that, that played in what I call Rondé's second career in Tampa because he was a, a linchpin and a, a key cog in the Bucks' rise to prominence and, and obviously had the most uh, iconic play in franchise history, that 92-yard pick six to shut down the vet in the 2002 NFC Championship game to send the Bucks to the Super Bowl where they would win it. But he played with a lot of players uh, in that crossover Tony Dungy, John Gruden era. But then he also played with a bunch of players in the second part of Gruden era and in the Raheem Morris era and the first year of Greg Schiano too. So he had so much support from so many teammates because he played 16 years. So we kind of think of the Rondé Barber, this version here with Sapp, Rokes, Lynch, and, and Dungy, and then, of course, Gruden. But but then you have the, the second phase of his career where he won, helped win, a couple of division titles in 2005 under John Gruden and also 2007, and then helped the Buccaneers get a 10-6 and six season to Raheem Morris' second year. So it's just great to see all of the people. Even Raheem Morris came on Friday, uh, Friday night, and then um, and he and he's the Rams' defensive coordinator. So he left training camp to go there and uh, and support Rondé, and was there on Saturday for his induction. Um, this is my wife Ashley. We had a, a great time at the after party. It was like a family reunion. That was the cool thing about it. There's there's Rondé's bust, who uh, as Rondé said, uh, "Thank you for making this look more like myself than Tiki." So <laughs> um, I, I love Rondé's speech. Uh, yeah. the, the one thing I'll say about it is, is after watching a couple of very emotional, very like heartfelt speeches yeah. from DeMarcus Ware, DeMarcus Ware talking about his father and the family and just growing up and, and, and some of the, the real heavy stuff he had to encounter. And then you've got Zach Thomas, the dirt roads guy that everybody, you know, kind of, uh, uh said was too small and too short to make it. But it was a very kind of a heartfelt thing. Jimmy Johnson gave him a chance. Then you got Rondé coming up after Darrell Revis and after Don Coriel's family uh, inducted uh, the, the late, great Eric Coriel into the Hall of Fame. And he had Rondé come up. And his speech was different because it yeah. was full of swagger, full of, you know, I'm here. I did this, you know. And it, that chip on the shoulder was still there. And the great thing is, is for 16 years, he played like an angry worker. That's what Mike Tomlin called Rondé Barber, an angry worker. And, it, you know, after he retired, you saw him on our podcast. He's just the nicest guy down yeah. to earth. Actually kind of humble to a degree, confident but humble. But when he took that Hall of Fame stage, that old Rondé Barber, that guy right there, you know, got back up on stage one more time. And and kind of let everybody have it a little bit. And I, I love that about Rondé. It was it was no holds barred. He had an uncommon career. Um, this is an uncommon player. Uh, guys that are cornerbacks that are five foot ten, 180 pounds, shouldn't be doing the things that Rondé Barber did. And kudos to him. It was it was fantastic. Matt Simeon Rice probably is not going to get in the Hall of Fame. I think he deserves yeah. it. The numbers are there, but honestly, the fact that there are four players from that Bucks Super Bowl team. It's hard to put a fifth in, even though Simeon Rice deserves it. The next Hall of Famer might be Mike Evans. And you know what, Mike? Uh, Mike's still playing. So yeah. you got to wait five years until you're you're done Man. with your playing career. Um, and and then is Mike going to be a first ballot guy? I think if he ends up in the top 10 in terms of receiving yards with four more 1,000-yard seasons, he, he would be just that at over 14,000 yards. But it might be some time before the Buccaneers have another Hall of Famer. Rondé so Barber they, they, uh, is, you know, this, this is a moment to celebrate because it might be a while before the next Buccaneer gets in the Hall. They don't, they don't get credit for Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Buccaneer fans will, will claim that. I think yeah. the Patriots have a more yeah. deserving a little bit, claim A little bit that. more yeah. of an argument. But yeah, yeah. Um, awesome, awesome stuff, Scott. The inner, his, his speech... 
I loved it. I yeah. absolutely loved it because everything you said about the swagger, kind of like telling people off without telling people off. Yes. That's exactly yep. how I feel if some of my favorite sports teams in other sports outside of football, like if yep. they ever win a championship one right. day, I'm going to be telling everyone else, like yep. everything you said about my team, like you're wrong, F you, all that stuff. And that I that's why Brody didn't say it like that, obviously. Right. But yes. just the whole, you know, the whole, I did it. I was extraordinary. I was yeah. uncommon. I yep. did it extraordinary. And that's what I needed to do to reach this level. You know, he said, I, I was not Darrell Revis. I was not pegged as a first ballot yeah. Hall of Famer right away. And I loved when he said, I have to give a small, small thanks to everyone that doubted me because yeah. you fueled me to be, to get better and everything else that he said. And yes, I like that. It was a little bit different than the emotional yeah. stuff, and I'm not taking anything away yeah, for from sure. Any of these hall of famers that right. went through hardship. That was just classic like Rondé, Matt. It just, yeah. it, like, like he talked during his speech, the way he played. And it was yeah. great to see that kind of swagger Barber back. And that was also, really cool. Kind of ridiculous. Like they made Rondé Barber wait long enough to get into the hall of fame. Yeah. And then we had to wait a little bit longer just to hear him speak, yeah. you know, like it, it took yeah. that much, a little bit longer. And of course, mm -hmm. you know, I was watching it pretty much from the beginning and I knew whenever Rondé was going to be on is when I was going to have to drive to the facility for, right. for Bucks practice. And of course that's exactly how it right. lined up. Like they were getting ready <laughs> for that. So by the time I got to the yeah. Bucks facility for practice, they were showing like the highlight video of Rondé. And so I had to yeah. watch his speech later after practice during that. And one last thing about the the whole week, mm -hmm. Rich Eisen, when Darrell Reeves was on, Rich Eisen had a great thing about, he was saying like, oh, like no quarterbacks and wide receivers are in the Hall of Fame this year because like Revis Island shut them down again. But that extends, <laughs> right. that extends to Rondé Barber. There yeah. were no wide receivers, quarterbacks or wide receivers in this in year's this Hall of Fame yeah. class because Rondé Barber and yep. Darrell Revis were shutting down the passing game once again. So yep. congratulations to the entire no 2023 doubt. NFL Hall of Fame draft class, or class in general. Because just, well just a comment here from Mobbin for, for Christ. Uh, Mike will get in. I, I think he's on a Hall of Fame yeah. trajectory. I, I don't know about Levante, David. I think I think he deserves to. The, the, what's held him back is, and, and you got to remember, this is a national vote. These are national writers. And accomplishments matter. Pro Bowls matter. All pro births matter. And, yeah. and we all know Levante's been overlooked, underappreciated, underrated, all of those things. And, and I think that's going to come back to haunt him. He is one of the best linebackers over the past decade. There's no doubt yeah. about it. But but when you when you make these, you know, all 2000s teams and all 90s teams and, and all 2010 teams, those types of teams matter. Your accomplishment lists matter. Your accolades, all of that stuff. That's how the national media judges and values players. Then also too, do you have that, that accomplishment, right? With Ronnie Barber, it was the, the biggest play in franchise history, right? He's got a Super Bowl ring for sure, but a lot of guys have Super Bowl rings. So I don't know about Levante. I, I'm not going to say he doesn't deserve it because I think he, I think he does. He's one of, been one of the better linebackers. I just don't know if he has the accolades and yeah. accomplishments on paper to satisfy the voters for the Hall of Fame. What I would say is to the national media, uh, Rondé, to the national media, Levante David is in the hall of very good. But yeah. for those that have yep. watched him up close and personal for years and years, even when the Bucs were not a good team, and including when yeah. they were Super Bowl champions, the real ones know Levante David has Hall of Fame level talent. But yeah. sometimes things just don't go your way. We have a super chat from Adam. Thank you, Adam. Adam. It's Adam, awesome. Good to hear from you again, my man. Thanks for uh, the super chat. Great to see you in the chats again. Adam says, boys, hope all is well. Rondé, one of the goats for sure. The pick sixes were always great, but seeing him come off the edge was special. Yeah. Hashtag strip sack and says, Mike getting in, stud mayor of Galveston. Great, great stuff I don't stuff see anything there, wrong with, uh, with this statement that Adam yeah. Hamilton. Maybe. I agree. I agree. And I think this is a very good point here from John B. Levante being an outside linebacker in a 4-3 defense contributed to him missing out on Pro Bowls. That's that's exactly right because he was classified as an outside linebacker. And I think the Pro Bowl um, voting system needs to be completely overhauled because Agreed. for years, Rondé Barber, uh, not Rondé, uh, Levante David was going up against uh, you know Justin Houston, right, as an outside linebacker in a 3-4 defense. Now in the division. Where he was Primarily a pass rusher, right? 
uh, or, you know, John Abraham, you know, those kind of guys that would get 12 sacks as an outside linebacker in a three, four. And then you have Levante David as a four, three outside linebacker getting overlooked. So I totally agree. Great point here by John V. Uh, there, there needs, there needs to be a distinction. I think that there should be in the pro bowl. Uh, it should be linebackers, and, and, and include people, exactly, and edge rushers. Include everybody on the second level, right? With your an outside linebacker and a 4-3, or inside linebackers and a 3-4, you're, you're a linebacker. Boom. Yeah. And then edge rushers are 3-4 outside linebackers, like Shaq Barrett, J- Joe Tryon-Shoenka, Jason Pierre-Paul, et cetera, and, and then defensive ends. Let those guys, let the outside linebackers and 3-4s and defensive ends and 4-3s battle it out, and I totally agree with, with the sentiment here. Yeah, I think you're spot on with all of that. So separate traditional linebackers yeah. and edge rushers. But Speaking of linebackers. Exactly. I was going to say the other linebacker in yeah. that duo of Levante, David, and Devin White, get live 45, was a little bit more of the topic of conversation this morning slash into the afternoon because Devin White spoke to the media publicly in front of the world to see for the first time since he requested a trade and you know we have the videos let's just play the videos and then yep. give our thoughts and opinions on Devin White so we broke it up into two videos uh the first two are the initial questions about him asking for a trade and then Scott asked Devin White a question about if he regrets any of uh any of those things that he did uh, you know, I just wanted to be the guy here for a long time, but uh, actually, after really just sitting down with Coach Bowles and uh, Jason Light, you know, just understanding they plan for me and, you know, what they got to play and, you know, just coming up with some of them guys just to, you know, see how I can be better and, you know, moving forward, I think we all came to a good agreement and, you know, that's why I'm here just focusing on the season now. You've got a lot of fans. Yeah. And, and when you say, I want to be traded because I'm not getting paid, yeah. uh, was there, is there any regret um, on your part looking back? Yeah, uh, for regret, I don't think it's no regret, and I don't, uh, I don't think it's just about being paid. It's just about being a guy who was drafted here, you know, and doing a lot for this program. Just want to be the long-term guy, you know. Just want to be a guy like Levante. He was, he been here forever. I wanted to be that next guy, and you know, we just didn't make it happen when I wanted to. And that's why I kind of got a little selfish, you know, even knowing I still had the 50 option and that was a thing in play. And I mean, I guess early on you don't realize, and you just know, like, hey, I'm at the end of my contract. You know, let's let's get it in, lock me in. I know I feel comfortable here. I love the coaching staff here. I love all, you know, the teammates, even the fans. You know, the ones that went against me are the ones still with me. You know, it's all love. But at the end of the day, you know, I thought that was what's best for me. You know, uh, but at the end of the day, I'm still here, and I came back with a positive mindset, and I'm locked in. And I mean, y'all been watching practice. I've been getting in. And, you know, I've been trying to be the leader for this team because. I mean, we got a, uh, a great bunch this year, you know, and I think we can get it done. So you, you heard Devin White mention in that um, that he had a sit down with general manager Jason Light and head coach Todd Bowles, and they kind of told him what their plans are for him. And he talked a little bit about that. He, he was a bit selfish when it came to his contract yeah. and, and everything like that. This second video. Um, the first one is he's asked about uh, by Greg Allman about um, if his teammates have embraced him given mm-hmm. throughout this whole process. And he has a, a interesting answer with that one, a good answer, I would say. And then he also goes a little bit more into what those conversations were with that sit down with uh, with Jason Light and Todd Bowles. Oh, yeah, man, the first day I came in, you know, I'm the one led the huddle. You know, uh, like I said, like it is it's all business at the end of the day, you know, it's it's going to happen. You know, I hate that it had to happen that way because I love being here. Like, I can't over-express that enough. Like, everybody know my love for horses. I got a nine-star born in, in Florida, you know, so I want to be here. I want to be established here. But, I mean, that's, that's in the past now, you know. I'm going out there. I'm trying to focus on what I can do better, you know, to set myself up for what I want. And, you know, it can't be denied. So, I think that's the only thing, but... Even with me doing that, I'm still doing it within a team effort. You know, I'm just trying to uh, be the perfect teammate for my guys. And, you know, I want to be a captain again. That was one thing. Like, I, like a lot of stuff was hard. Like, sitting out was hard. And I wasn't really sitting out because I still came in the building, you know, because I want to be here. But at the end of the day, man, uh, that's over with. I'm on the field. I'm going hard. And I'm in break for all the guys. I'm out there working and making them better. They making me better. you said go for it. Oh, I mean, they just told me they always had a plan for me. You know, they always had a plan. You know, they uh, know what was going on, what they did, you know, as far as everything, you know, 
helping us get that Super Bowl. Like a lot of stuff, you know, it ain't really too much to speak on, but right. you know, I believe in their plan. I believe in their plan when they drafted me, you know. So I'm gonna keep believing in their plan. I'm gonna keep working hard. Yeah. I'm gonna just be me, you know. At the end of the day, man, whatever you do, you just leave it all out there. And I think it's already rich, you know. That's my mindset. It's already rich. What's for you is for you. You know, you just gotta be a little patient and you know, be, be even more humble. You know, that was the time that humbled me. And I'm grateful for it, you know, I'm grateful I went through it. I've seen a lot of people turn on me, a lot of people go against me, go with me, but it is what it is. I do this for my family and the people that I play, that I lined up with, and you know, the other guys on the other side of the ball, I do this for them. So, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for it all, you know, it is what it is. Scott Reynolds, your initial thoughts to Devin White's uh, reactions and response to uh, everything asked about his trade request. I, I thought it was, I thought it was a very good, press conference for Devin White. I think that he, you know, he was not defiant about it. I think that he, he was humbled. He admit, he admits he was humbled. And I asked him, you know, do you regret asking for a trade? He said, I, I didn't regret it, you know, but then he admits to kind of being selfish. Right. So I, I think he kind of apologized enough. Yeah. Um, he acknowledged twice that, you know, he knows that he lost some fans uh, over this. And he's, you know, he he kind of inferred. I hope they're still with me. It's, he said it's all love, meaning like, you know, hey, I don't, I don't hold any regrets. If you, it is what it is. Yeah, it is, it is what it is. You know, and he can't control what people think. Uh, he can to a degree. I mean, he can he can win those fans back if he plays well. See, that, yeah. that's the thing. I don't think there's anybody in the media or in the Bucks fan base that is rooting against Devin White. I think everybody, generally speaking, wants to see this guy because he is so full of so much athleticism and potential do two things, become consistent and become a playmaker consistently, right? It's it's yeah. one thing to be a consistent player. Look no further than the guy lining up next to him. Levante David in his in his prime, um, and, and no disrespect to Levante, but I mean, when he was younger, right, 25, 6, 27, he was a consistent playmaker. Like you could look at his box score at the end of the year, you'd see two or three sacks, you'd see three or four forced fumbles, you'd see a fumble recovery, you know, once or twice, you'd see a pick six, you'd see maybe two or three interceptions. You know, it, it was like nothing but just checking box scores, leading the team in tackles, et cetera. Now Levante David is not the consistent playmaker. Now he's more of a steady Eddie. He's a guy that will that will maybe not pick off the passes. Uh, I, don't, I don't say he's lost a step, but he'll probably break up the pass rather than pick it off. Um, he's not going to be as dynamic as he used to be, but he's still, from a consistency standpoint, way better than average. Still very good, right? And and I think that that that's worth something, right? And and I think with Devin still being in his prime and and still being very young and very fast, he has the chance to be what Levante was, which is yeah. a consistent playmaker. And and I think that's what the Buccaneers want to see. It's like we might consider paying you, Devin your King's ransom if you be that consistent playmaker and not get three sacks in this game and then have two bad games and then have an interception, you know, and 12 tackles and then have a bad game, right? It's just show up every week and either be good or great. And we would love for you to be more great than good, but don't have bad or or below average games. And so I, th I think that's that's a reasonable request, especially for – a guy that's requesting to be paid 18 to $20 million per season. Exactly. Devin has to understand that for the amount of money he wants to get paid, there is a level of expectation. And realistically, he didn't meet those expectations last season. And yeah. it wasn't even like he had a terrible season. He just didn't meet the expectations that a $20 million per year contract is asking of. Now, right, right. back to his overall press conference today. I thought he showed a, a ton of humility. We yes. keep saying humble. There was a lot of humility to it as well. And you know what? I was a little surprised going in because he was he was pretty like upbeat and smiling. He mentioned the horses. He's got to yeah. get a horse reference in there. Right. At point or another. And I was kind of going in. I was ready to expect a combative Devin White. I was kind of preparing for him to not like mean mug everybody, but to right. to not be in love with a lot of the questions that were asked. Like the question you asked him specifically, he could have taken that yeah. a different way and just kind of been like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and whoever's got a problem with it, 
can kick rocks or, or right, something right. like that. But no, he was like very happy to be there in a pretty good mood, given yeah. the, the situation that he was in. And I thought the coolest thing outside of like his apology without saying, I'm sorry and talking about the humbleness and the thing that he learned from. And that was great that he was talking about being wanting to be a captain again for this team. Yeah. But I really loved what he had to say. Uh, one of the things was the question that you asked and I, I asked him about just the, the goals of the defense in mm-hmm. general as well. He doesn't want to be the best blitzing linebacker in the league. Right. Oh, that's not yeah. good enough for Devin White. That's not Correct. good enough for him this season. He wants to be the best linebacker in the league. And he mentioned that him and Levante, they're close. They're close to being the best duo, some of the best linebackers in the league. Right. He mentioned uh, Fred uh, Roquan Smith specifically as yeah. one of the top linebackers in the league. So he's got some room to beat some of those guys. Um, and then he talked about the defensive goals that 17 points or less, that's the goal. Right. I mean, obviously, getting back to stopping that run game. I don't yeah. think we've heard any defensive player talk about that they struggled stopping the run last yeah. year. And we've talked about it on the podcast a ton, but Devin was the first one to say we did not reach our goal of being the best run-stopping defense in the league. So that yeah. was really refreshing to hear that from Devin, too. It was. And, boy, they were shutting down the run today in, in both the 9-on-7 yeah. run period and then 11-on-11s. 11 the, the Bucks did have some breakup runs, and – you know, I have to go back and, and really jog my memory. Was that, you know, second string running backs or was it Rashad White? I, I'll just say this. Uh, the run defense today was stout. Vita Vea, uh, Will Golston. Will Golston was, was a, he was a dog today, man. That guy was. was in the backfield about three or four times. Um, and I think that's kind of what they're looking for with Logan Hall to make uh-huh. those kind of plays. <laughs> whether it's against the run or getting back there on the pass. And I think that's where Logan has got to really make some strides here in, in camping in the preseason. But, man, Will Golston uh, and Devin White was coming, too. He was a heat-seeking missile. Uh, got into a little pushing and shoving match with Luke Gedeke. And then Tristan Wirfs came over and got into a pushing and shoving match with Devin because Tristan's got to support his guy. You like to see that, that uh, teamwork. I got yeah. you back. But yeah, his best it, friend on the team as well, Luke. Gettin. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, this this run defense, I think this year is going to be much improved. And you know, it, th- there's kind of a seesaw, right? It's like, well, you know, they they were so dominant against the run a couple years ago, 2019, 2020, you know, and and then the, they were like one of the worst teams in terms of pass defense. They were so good, the Buccaneers defense didn't even get run on. Teams just wouldn't yeah. even try to run the ball, and that's maybe why those numbers were a bit skewed. But then. The, the pendulum swung a little bit. They played more, um, you know, soft zone, uh, don't allow the big play. And, and that works to a degree, but they gave up too, way too much in the run game last year. And the run game went from being a top five to really middle of the pack. And that's been one of the emphasis this year is, is uh, getting the, the defensive scoring down to 17 points per game. Last year, they did a good job at 21 points and yeah. under. They did that seven or ten times last year, and they were seven and three in games where the Bucks defense allowed only twenty-one points or less. So that's really good. They won eight games last year, Matt, and seven of those featured the defense doing their job. But yeah. they want to lower that from twenty-one points per game to seventeen. And a big reason, you know, for for um for those those games getting outside of twenty-one points is the fact that the Buccaneers gave up way too many uh, big gains on the ground. Yeah, last season was the first time since Todd Bowles has been in Tampa as a defensive play caller, now head coach, or second year as head coach of the Bucs. Last year was the first year there was a true crack in the armor of yeah. the, you know, the best run-stopping defense in the league. And you know what? Devin had a little bit of a role to play with that. We all remember the infamous uh, Baltimore Ravens game, which was probably some of his worst tape of the season. And that leads me to just... There's something I'm worried about a little bit with Devin because, you know, Devin likes to hype himself up, get live 45. And it's a little bit of a front running mentality. And by that, I mean, you know, when the Bucs are beating the Chiefs 31 to nine in the Super Bowl, it's easy for Devin to be flying around, get that interception, take his helmet off and chuck it because the game's done and he makes a great play like that. But then you have moments like the Ravens game where things aren't going great. And that's when he got. Yeah. In trouble by, you know, just fans and people watching that. Maybe he Warren was loafing Sapp. a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Warren Sapp as well. Gets yeah. called out for loafing. 
then he kind of comes at some media on social media and blocking pewter report and like all these different things. So it's a little bit of a front running mentality where now it's like, Oh, Devin, we like you again. This is great. You're going to be awesome. But I do wonder when the going gets tough a little bit, I agree. What type of Devin white will we see? Because he might even be like, if things aren't working out, the team's losing things like that. He might just be like, screw it. I still have a good enough reputation where I'm going to get a pretty good contract. Anyway, peace out Tampa. Yeah. No, you know, I, I, I do worry about that a little bit. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right, and and I think that that's that's what the Bucks want to see is is we want to see you when you're, you know, when when you're you're making plays and you you're the front runner and you're you're you know you're on top of your game and, and having those big games, but then you know there's moments you know like this where like you kind of question the effort a little bit. This is Brock Purdy yeah. with that touchdown. You kind of see Devin. I mean, he's crossing the goal line. It's not like you want to to blast the quarterback and draw a foul. Yeah. Uh, Devin's done that in the past, but there's just been some times where you you kind of say, "Wow, is he is he giving up on this play?" You know, and um, I just don't recall like a Derek Brooks, you know, doing that right, or even Levante David. So he's got a little bit of growing up to do. He's got a, a big year this year uh, ahead of him, and uh, it's it's a big decision for the Buccaneers to make. There's no doubt. It's a huge decision for for Tampa Bay to to commit that much money into an off the ball linebacker, right? Yeah. And and $20 million a year. Now, I will say this. He's got no bigger ally than Todd Bowles. And as long as Todd Bowles is the head coach here, he's going to want Devin in the middle. At the same time, the Buccaneers, I think, drafted Servasia Dennis and I think he's capable of replacing either Levante David, who'll be 34 next year, or um, Devin White, if the team yeah. decides to go elsewhere with that. But it's a big decision, almost as big as buying a home. That's the biggest decision that you're going to make in terms of a financial standpoint. I mean, unless you're filthy rich and you're dropping, you know, money on a Lamborghini or something like that. But listen, it takes a full team effort to win a football game, and it takes a full team effort to win in real estate. The Eric Gross Group has done hundreds of transactions in this crazy real estate market, and they've got the experience that you need in all types of situations so you can win in your real estate uh, investment. Eric, we had him on the podcast last week. He's an avid Pewter Report reader and podcast viewer, and he's also a Tampa native. His father is stationed at McDill Air Force Base. He knows the area like the back of his hand. He and his team have the market knowledge, top-notch communication, and they're part of the EXP group that has real estate agents, uh, 85,000 across the country. So the Eric Gross Group will turn your dream of buying or selling a home into a reality. Their clients are not just transactions. They are lifelong friendships. Wouldn't you want a real estate agent that you have something in common with, maybe to talk some Tampa Bay football? It's a great place to start a conversation. Don't let the stress of buying or selling a home keep you out of the game. Let the Eric Gross Group take the pressure off of you. Find them on Facebook and Instagram at Eric Gross Group. But more importantly than that, check out their website, housesinfla.com. It's a great website. You can see their whole inventory of houses. Um, They do a fantastic job. Houses in FLA, or give them a call, uh, 513-907-4271. No matter where you are in your home ownership journey, you'll feel welcome with the Eric Gross Group, the official realtor of Pewter Report. Again, visit housesinfla.com. I'd highly recommend everybody jump at that opportunity to work with the Eric Gross yep. Group. Um, kind of like how Devin Tompkins Ooh, can yeah. jump and get after the football. I think people have to understand he made a great catch on Saturday. Yeah. But this catch that he made today, and you can see it on social media. Shout out to Loose Cannons. They got a yep. video of it. They were in the crowd. Um, it, it's in our article, the, um, the the Bucks Camp Insider of the great catch that Devin Tompkins made. This one he made today was even better than the one that he made on Saturday. Yep. It was a deep ball down the field. Josh Hayes was in coverage, and good coverage by Josh Hayes. He was yeah. right there, stride stride with a very, very fast. Devin Tompkins, John Wolford was the quarterback throwing. Chucked it deep down. I shouldn't say Chuck because that makes it sound like it wasn't accurate. It was very accurate. It was right on point. Yeah. And Devin Tompkins, the word moss gets thrown around (laughs) a lot. I've been seeing it on social media a lot. This was a like this was a baby mossing. I wouldn't say it was like as hardcore as like Antoine Winfield Jr. interception against the Colts a couple seasons ago, or obviously Randy Moss doing it himself. But man, this guy. The athletics that this man has. Yeah. He can be seven feet tall the way that right. he can jump into the air. It was an exceptional 
acrobatic play by Devin Tompkins to go up, make the catch. It was the play of the day. The crowd yeah. went wild. And Devin Tompkins, who made another nice catch and, and run up the field, is playing his way not just to wide receiver six. Yeah. But you could make the argument right now that Devin Tompkins – could be your wide receiver four with what yeah. he's been doing. In no this doubt. Offense. He didn't drop the ball, Matt. He doesn't drop the ball. He does not. Right? We saw Trey Palmer have a couple drops today, and they like Trey Palmer. But this guy does not drop the ball. If he was 180 pounds, he would be in contention for wide receiver three. He would be battling, um, you know, he would, he would be battling Russell Gage for wide receiver three. The problem yeah. is he's 5'7", 150 pounds soaking wet. Right. He, he you can't you can't line him up there and, and say play 50 plays at wide receiver. He's he's not big enough to be a down in and down out receiver, but he is big enough. It makes big plays that you got to get him on the field, whether it's yeah. a, an end around, whether it's a wide receiver screen, whether it's just chucking the ball downfield, and letting him use that 41 inch vertical. I mean, you know, Josh Hayes, not not the biggest guy, but he's six feet tall. And Devin Tompkins is five foot seven. So that, that's it's five inch differential right there that he's making up with his leaping ability. And so he just keeps making big play after big play. And he's playing his way, not just onto the roster, but as you said, playing his way for playing time, legit playing time. And, and it's fun to see. Um, and wh- one other thing we, we really should mention, and again, the, the Bucks Camp Insider uh, is, is on the website. I'll drop it here in the chat. You can read about our practice notes. Josh Capo and myself kind of tag team these today. Great to see, see Josh yeah, covering awesome camp the last couple Josh. of days. Yeah, he was there Saturday and today, and his presence his presence is uh, is always appreciated when he when he is around. So love seeing Josh these past couple of days. Yeah, and he he's uh, a Peter reported does a lot of salary cap work, uh, film breakdowns for us. Lives in Atlanta. Uh, he's our resident Bucks Falcons guy when yeah. when that matchup <laughs> takes place up there. And uh, he'll be down for a couple games, but it was great to see him for training camp. Practice Insider uh, is uh, Camp Insider is in, is in the chat. Uh, but we would be remiss if we didn't mention one little newsworthy item that Todd Bowles kind of talked about. Yeah, and we're not going to see him on Friday. I'm telling you that right now. He is not going to play in the Bucks preseason game against the Steelers. That's not coming from from Todd Bowles. That's coming from me. But it doesn't take any imagination to to figure out that Ryan Jensen. Who is who has yet to take snaps in eleven on elevens, in any form or fashion? He has been individuals, and he's had just about every other day off from yeah. practice. That knee still isn't right, and Matt, we were kind of privy to some information that there is some growing concern. I wrote about it in my SRS Fab Five on Sunday, which if you didn't read that, I'll drop that in the chat too. Uh, it was busy on Friday, folks. We were getting ready for the Hall of Fame and did the Hall of Fame video. But uh, I had the the who's hot, who's not, SR's Fab Five that dropped on Sunday, just after the Bucks concluded, uh, you know, another practice week. That was their day off on Sunday. But Ryan Jensen, it's going to be interesting to see if this guy can play. We've seen Robert Hainsey and Nick Leverett alternate a starting center every other day, and I'm not sure that this team has full confidence that Ryan Jensen is going to be able to, to start. What do you think? Yeah, that's uh, some of the information. Yeah. That uh, we were a little more understanding of it. And I think the most telling thing really, Scott was Todd Bowles, who is on the fence about everyone and anything when right. it comes to topics in the NFL or for his roster specifically. When asked today, like when we can expect Ryan Jensen to participate in team drills and 11 on 11 was just like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) They're just going to tell me when he's ready and he's going to play. When Todd Bowles, who has, we joked about how Jason Light has the worst poker face. Todd Bowles, I don't know if he's happy, pissed, whatever. It's the same thing every single time. He's got a pretty good poker face. It doesn't sound good with Ryan Jensen just based on what based on how Todd Bowles is like, I have no idea. Maybe we'll play. I yeah. don't really have a good sense of it. So right now, I mean, obviously Leverett and, and Robert Hainsey are getting a lot of the snaps. I would imagine Hainsey, just because he was the starter last year, and yeah. did a solid job, probably would get yeah. the nod in terms of, so. uh, you know, push come to shove for the regular season. But I think, I don't think we're at the panic button just yet, but doubt is creeping in. 
Yeah, and there's only a couple of weeks left before the start of the season. I mean, the Bucks preseason opener is this Friday. Then, you know, you have the Jets game after that, the Ravens, then a week off, and then boom, here's the season. So it's going to be interesting to see when they feel Ryan Jensen can get back in. And and as as Bowles said, Jensen has said, you know, uh, feels good some days, doesn't feel good the other days, right? And and that that's a little bit of a concern because that tells me that it's not just precautionary. Oh, he's good. We're just holding him out just to make sure. No, the fact that that knee isn't feeling good, that's a bit of a concern. So I will say this. The Buccaneers, top to bottom, actually feel really good about their depth at center. They've got yeah. Chris Murray, who's an undrafted free agent out of Oklahoma, uh, probably certainly a practice squad guy. They like him. John Mulchin has actually made strides as an interior offensive lineman. He has you know, an outside chance because he can play center and guard. Uh, of of seeing you know some some action maybe getting on that fifty three as the fifty third guy on there otherwise he's probably almost a certainty to be back in the practice squad but they legit have four guys behind Jensen that can snap the ball and they feel pretty good about it. Chris Chris Murray is more of like a Nick Leverett undersized quick tough right. guy uh, Mulchin is more in that Robert Hainsey Ryan Jensen bigger taller type of center. Yeah, the Bucks built up there, and right, they did right by it because yeah. it looks like they could be going in that direction. Uh, one spot where you're not going to have to worry about Ryan Jensen is if you play underdog fantasy and specifically their best ball mania. They have $15 million in total prizes. $3 million goes to the first place winner. Use that promo code PEWTER. You can get a Positive bonus to use it on uh, best ball mania or whatever you want to use it on. Uh, as we said, fifteen million dollars in total prizes, three million uh, to the winner. You just set it and forget it when it comes to your it. lineup. It's a twenty-five dollar entry, but you don't have to worry about trades, waivers, anything of that nature. You just pick your team and you're good to go. Uh, the cool thing about underdog fantasy, as well, is yes, they have it for football, but they have it for all different sports too. They have different contests all the time. As you see, a $10 million playoff pool, a $5 million regular season pool. You can do head-to-head. You can do over-unders. You can start a league with uh, friends or coworkers or whatever. So a lot of different options with Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code PEWTER, P-E-W-T-E-R, to get a deposit bonus. And you can even play against PewterReport.com if you want to. Yeah, we're going to be starting up leagues probably in about two weeks, and we'll kind of run those over the – the last two weeks of the preseason, you know, and and uh, and into the regular season, right before the season starts, that first week of of September. So I'm going to be doing some leagues. So is Matt and JC and Adam and our whole team, Bailey, everybody, yeah. uh, Josh. So if you want to battle me in a, a fantasy football league, or Matt, or any of the other Pewter reporters, you'll have your opportunity. All you need to do is go to Underdog Fantasy, make a deposit, and start up your account. Use the promo code Pewter to get a, a start startup bonus and uh, and then hang on tight. We're going to be doing fantasy football mock drafts uh, in just a couple weeks. And then, as Matt said, you set it and forget it. It's easy yeah. to play. They've got a great interface with their app. And if you don't, if you miss out on, on best ball mania and, and the fantasy football leagues, you can play every single week, um, you know, going, going head to head and, and, yeah. and pick and, and do pickums. So it's so much fun to play all season long, even though, you, you draft once before the season starts and set it and forget it. Uh, one thing that you should not forget, though, is to uh, please follow us on our social media for all of our Bucks coverage on Twitter, now known as X, uh, Instagram, Threads, and Facebook. We are at Pewter Report. Also, got to give a shout-out. Um, we had an Instagram reel recently that's over 300,000 views, currently at 303, so appreciate that's your awesome. people for – uh, watching that video, Baker Mayfield was uh, saying a little something at practice. And, of course, our YouTube channel, Pewter Report TV. We have the podcast out there all the time. We have SR's trip to Canton, giving uh, some background information on the Bucks' history with the Hall of Fame and some Hall of Fame members in it that played for Tampa Bay. Um, so a lot of different clips, a lot of different uh, podcast stuff, interviews, things from practice, all that great stuff. So please follow us on our social media scheduling wise for this week, we'll have an episode tomorrow at 4 PM and Wednesday at 4 PM. And then of course the game on Friday, of course we'll be covering all of that. So until tomorrow, that's going to do it for us on this show for Scott Reynolds. 
I'm Matt Matera saying thanks for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Oh, Oh, congrats, Rondé. Congrats again.